look at it. All right. Uh, so that, that, that it, wasn't for you, by the way. What? That uh, because you're like, oh, got it. I'm just like, that was for the. Anyhow. Got it. Got it. Got uh, it. So this is the pre-roll, Gabe. You know the deal. Yeah, the pre-roll is uh, when I frantically go check the fucking podcast notes <laughs> and make sure everything's there. Uh, did I do my malignant review? Uh, I don't think you did. Okay, cool. I'm glad I remember that. A lot of movies, TVs, and books. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, not a lot of books. <laughs> that and, like, um, you know, these are often the more enjoyable pods when we have – like uh, one particular topic heavy, especially when it comes from the movies, books, TV section. I feel like those are always the best shows, in my opinion. Yeah, boy. All, All right. right. So that's fired up. We're on the move. Uh, so, Gabe, I'm going to play the intro through iTunes. Therefore, you do not talk during the intro. You sure about that? I, I'm, that's, I'm like 95% sure. I'm just letting uh, you know. Uh, 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 but last uh, last time you were all like, wait, wait, wait man, with a long pause. Yeah, dude, because the intro is playing. Because, <laughs> well, like, you know, the audience demands stuff. Yeah, got it. yeah, yeah, gotcha. I'm glad that you were very detailed on that approach. Yeah, but, um, yeah, man, are you ready? Is this when you're going to roll it? What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids Podcast, episode number 175. 175 on the year for 175 episodes, a little bit over five years. Holy shit, we still here. We are actually six years over, my man. Six years. Six yep. years, yeah. Six Crazy years is thing. Last year was five, you know? Yeah, dude. It's weird. It's a weird fucking thing. 175. And uh, yeah, we are back on what is, my opinion, very refreshingly cold uh, evening on the south side of Chicago, Illinois. So this is the obligatory comment that I make every year after it hits uh, daylight savings time where I'm like, man, it gets dark around four o'clock. And you're like, yeah, bro, but I don't hate it, but I don't love it. That's usually what happens every single year. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so that, that's the deal. You know, and it's, it's, it's nice and chilly outside. I just had myself a bunch of chicken noodle soup my wife threw down. And my God, it was delicious. Uh, but with that being said, obviously, it's been about a, about a month since the last pie. We do this monthly at this point. And Gabe, how have you been, not my bad, man? Not bad. Oh, it's been good, man. I've been really, really busy <laughs> between the photography stuff, the, the, the band stuff, the other stuff I do. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's been busy. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff going on, obviously. Um, you know, my, 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 my son is growing like every day. It's actually kind of crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Philly P in the chat. What up, Phil? Uh, but yeah, man, so uh, a lot of stuff going on. You mentioned it, man. But, uh, you know, that's that's life. And that's the reason why we only run the show about monthly at this point. No big deal. Uh, but, you know, um, we are kind of closing in on episode 200, which I don't know about you. It just feels like yesterday that it was episode 100. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we're going to have something big planned for 200 where we talk about it for five weeks leading up and then never, never do it. Again. <laughs> never do it. <laughs> You're probably right. Just like that, um, just like that yellow card career in review. No, I thought we did that. 
No, it was taking back. Taking back Sunday, we didn't do. Yeah, because it just kept on. You kept we kept on pushing it back, and it's just like eh, they forgot about it. And honestly, um, most of their stuff is good, and I found it kind of difficult to talk about. If, if I'm being 100, there you honest. go. There's the entire career <laughs> review. <laughs> yeah, man, we we knocked it down. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's kind of the take on that. But uh, Gabe have has mentioned that um, you know we do have quite the thick boy agenda. Uh, obviously you guys see, uh, it on Twitch and whatnot. Uh, but we gotta go ahead and start diving through because we have quite a large amount of reviews that we gotta cover here. So, first things first, uh, let's talk about the Uncharted, tra- uh, trailer. So this is something that, uh, we've been kicking around basically since they started talking about it. And we're talking about how Uncharted, will it work? How's the casting decisions? What's it gonna look like? All that good stuff. Well, we got uh, some answers when it comes to that, right? Um, yeah, so they dropped a new trailer. Uh, Tom Holland is Nathan Drake. Uh, they have Mark Wahlberg playing Solly. Uh, did you see this? Uh, yeah. What did you think? I mean, it looks solid. I my thing is that um, y- you got to either play in fully to the Indiana Jones aesthetic, or you got to kind of branch out and create your own thing. Okay. Okay. Um, I think it looks good. The trailer looks good, but that's its job, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say, dude, it looks solid. I mean, I like the casting choices mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like, we gotta wait for the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my, uh, my, my, I'm curious about whether is this meant to be like a Nathan Drink origin story, or is it meant to be like taking place during the same time of the game? You know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, with the age thing, I mean, obviously, Sully in the game is a much older man, uh, and Mark, Mark Wahlberg doesn't quite qualify on that front. Um, but, you know, I'm just kind of curious on where that's going to go with that. Uh, but overall, I will say, yeah, it looks pretty decent. Uh, I, you know, overall, um, I think there's some room to, for improvement based on what I saw, but I trust, uh, I probably probably shouldn't, but I trust uh, these folks to hopefully nail this down and hopefully make a decent action adventure movie. Because at the end of the day, that's all Uncharted is is like this wonderful action story, adventure story. And if they're able to pull that off, then more power to them. I think it's, it's going to be a good thing. So, um, yeah, definitely check it out if you have not. Um, it should be coming relatively soon, but very very good. On Two that quick part. things about this topic before we move off of it. Sure. Um, first one, I think it's really proven to be difficult to translate video games as a medium into the sort of the film format, the theatrical format, and mm-hmm. partly because, you know, a game is inherently, like, interactive. It draws you in and you sort of, um, I don't want to say disassociate because movies do that as well, but it's a very, like, back-and-forth medium. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You sure. interact, the environment responds, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like the movie, whatever it ends up being, like, sure, granted, it can have the Uncharted name on top of it, but is it still going to, like, hold true to sort of the games and the franchise that we've come to love it as? You know what I mean? For sure, yeah. Uh, especially a story that's so narrative-driven like Uncharted, you would think that maybe it, it kind of lends itself to kind of being kind of seamlessly fitting into the the movie format, but um, you don't know. You know, like, these things, uh, like, uh, other movies that were much more larger layups missed the mark while movies that were a little less layups made the mark so i don't know i guess we'll have to wait and see on that yeah second thing uh the indiana jones 5 film is filming at the moment if i'm not mistaken harrison ford is going to be i think 82 or 83 by the time it releases which is insane to me that is crazy 
I um you know we always joke that oh you know Harrison Ford has the clause that like hey when this character is like done their time and he doesn't want to play them anymore he's like kill, kill them off kill them yeah <laughs> yeah so I'm, I'm curious to see how this goes and then three i did send you a video it was a couple of weeks ago but did you happen to watch the uh it was by a uh, youtube creator by the name of nerdstalgic and they're sort of explaining how the mummy yes was like a spiritual successor to the indiana jones film yes i did i did actually re, uh listen or watch that yes so i've been a big fan of um of Jordan and uh, and his buddy for a while of, off of the Nerdstalgic channel. Uh-huh. I mean, what did you think of it? I just want to take like a minute or two and just kind of. Uh, yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. Um, now, the only part that I would disagree on is that historically, um, you know, the Indiana Jones doesn't have like, well, actually, that's not even fucking true. Now I think about it because Temple of Doom exists and that was totally fucking freaky. Uh, yeah, never mind. You're right. <laughs> I just talked myself through that. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree, man. Um, de- definitely one, if you, if you constitute it in the same kind of vein, like Indiana Jones is like a style of movie, much like Die Hard is like a style of movie almost. Um, then yeah, I would have to think that it might, it might even be like the second or third best Indiana Jones movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, that, that's kind of wild to think, huh? Yeah. That the, <laughs> you know? <laughs> What's your top three Indiana Jones movies? Uh, Temple of Doom. Uh, <laughs> the Mummy. The mummy. <laughs> now, hold up. What? Like Abbott and Costello? No, like Brendan Fraser, you uncultured swine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, man, I mean, uh, yeah, it was, it's, 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 I think it's perfect, man. Cause you know, um, that character is just Indiana Jones itself is just kind of a, him himself is like an amalgamation of character that came before him. Right. So um, I think it's just – it's kind of a cool thing that this character is kind of – like I said, created like a own genre of film almost. And then the Indiana yep. Jones movie is like a style of film, much like Die Hard is, like I said. So I'm just curious to see the longevity of um, this style because don't get me wrong. Indiana Jones was kind of a, a hallmark in theater and, mm-hmm. and like home entertainment, right? That was, mm-hmm. I would argue to say that that was the first film a lot of people owned when they were sort of coming to age in like the 80s mm-hmm. and 90s. Do you know what's awesome, um, though? Considering it all, at this point in time, in the Indiana Jones timeline, because the man is 105 years old, according to Phil in the chat, um, he has to be at the point in the story, narrative-wise, where the first Indiana Jones movie came out. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of fucked up, huh? <laughs> what if that's the plot? that um, his, his movie came out. That, yeah. That'd be fucking cool, actually. It's about Indiana Jones 5. I got kicked out of the university because I never taught. <laughs> I... I'm in an Interpol prison because I stole all these artifacts. Yeah, they, they belong to the British. Wait, does that I mean, got lung cancer? Does that mean National Treasure is an Indiana Jones film? You know, um, I'm down to explore this topic some more <laughs> and maybe hash out what is and isn't constitutes as like an action indie film, and I feel like that's a good name for it. Yeah, um, because you know, you you very much have to have the adventure aspect of it mm-hmm. with a lot of sort of puzzles and leather oh, oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, we can slap it on uh the next agenda because this is something i definitely want to talk about because i didn't even think of national treasure if i'm being honest with you you know it's for sure a, it's a national treasure of a movie oh but, wow um, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you know maybe there's some like movies we've seen that like aren't like ringing a bell right now that's like well by our definition that's an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, that's that's something that we should definitely. Uh, I will slap that on the agenda for, for right, the next top pod. five Indiana Jones movies: <laughs> Temple of Doom, <laughs> uh, The Mummy. But I believe it or not, I, I don't put te- Temple of Doom is not my favorite. 
National Treasure, <laughs> the Magnum PI movie. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, right, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. What All is right. uh, Raiders? Raw. Well, <sighs> well, yeah. What is your favorite? I know it's not Kingdom of the Crystal. It's Skull. It's not Kingdom sure. of the Crystal Skull. Uh, the Last Crusade. I think the Last Crusade is my favorite. Solid choice. Yeah, I, that's my, just because Sean Connery's in it and he's the man. There, there's only one bad answer for that, by the way. That's Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's a good. I'm point. just saying that there's yeah, they're all you know good. How we usually say, oh, like what's your favorite album by them? It's like, oh, there's no bad answers. Well, in this case, there's one bad. There's answer. just one, just the one, just the one. We ignore it. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Uh, let's segue into Scream. Scream Five. So uh, horror franchises are coming out of the woodwork because Halloween and Halloween did it right, and we've talked about this, but they have finally dropped a trailer for the new Scream film. Have you seen this game? I have not. Could you walk me through it? Uh, Ghostface is killing people. Sydney's in trouble. <laughs> what else is new? Yeah, so <laughs> that's you know that's that's the premise for all those films, right? So um, yeah, so Scream. They're not even calling it Scream Five. Number one, uh, they're just calling it Scream, which makes me want to throw up in my mouth which a little bit. Which makes me want to scream. Yeah. Dooch. Oh wow, you're on a roll the with game that counters today. Counters at two. Yeah, man. Jesus Christ. Keep keep uh, track of that in the chat because we got Phil in the chat. We got Phil in the chat. Yeah, Phil, already writing that down. That's definitely one. I'm definitely write putting that down. List. Write that down. Yeah, definitely put it down. But yeah, so um, yeah, so they dropped a little trailer. Um, it kind of looks like uh, the MTV version of Scream. Remember how they had that show? Yeah. <laughs> um, it, look, it reminds me of that a little bit. And obviously, they're bringing back the OGs. Dewey's coming back. Gail's coming back. Sydney's coming back. All that good stuff. But. Um, I am, what's the word I'm looking for? Apprehensive about the situation. Uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. I'm going to see it in theaters regardless, uh, because, you know, shit. Uh, it's one of the franchises that I love, but, uh, I am not 100% sold on this new Scream film. It doesn't look amazing to me. Sure. So, I got a couple of talking points on that. Sure. Whenever you're ready. So I was going to say, it's kind of funny how, um, and, you know, I don't mean to sound like a condescending hipster here, but it oh, seems we like retro. Well, hear me out, right? It seems like retro is, like, in again, yeah. right? Like, yeah. it's been long enough that we missed the franchise, and we've sort of, like, gone through the hoops here and mm-hmm. explained this numerous times. Because, you know, even when Halloween 2018 was coming out, both you and I were like, we'll see, we'll see, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and we did have that, like, mild resurgence in, like, 2010 to 2013-ish, because we got... Um, I'm not going to count the Rob Zombie Halloweens, but yeah, you no. know those those came out in the same time, roughly as um, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, Friday, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Friday the Thirteenth, right? The, you know there was a, like a small just kind of resurgence, but now you're absolutely right. Now that people see that what happens when you sort of, and, uh, you know, and this is going to sound so contradictory <laughs> from the last episode where I totally dug Halloween Kills a new one, where they seen a res- like what taking care of a property does mm-hmm. in its resurgence and it's sort of, you know, money margins at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the kids our age or grown ass adults at this point, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, I'm getting old. Yeah. Um, you know, they kind of grew up on these like corny, cheesy, cliche horror movies. And mm-hmm. now it's like people are putting love, work, thought and more blood into them. It's like, well, now the people that are going to go see these, are us and then there's like a 20 to 25 year gap and it's the people that are like 50 that were you know 18 19 20 
that saw the OGs in theater. Mm-hmm. And so this is this weird cyclical thing. So I propose here's my theory, right? Okay. I'm not opposed to this resurgence. I'm always very much like if you can add on top of it, if you could sort of, you know, breathe some fresh air into something that's been dead for a while and, you know, re-stimulate the nerves there, I think it's a good thing. But logically following sort of history, because history is cyclical as well, we are going to see very shortly after this resurgence of horror films a resurgence of horror parodies like Scary Movie, Haunted House, and I am so fucking ready for that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I mean, um, I, I think both of those films, the Scary Movies franchise, the first, especially that first one, and the Haunted House one capitalized on what was hot in horror at the time, and... Now that the, everything is coming back, Millhouse, <laughs> everything's coming back full circle. It's like you could almost redig those trenches in a weird way. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, satire and parody is always going to be like prevalent for societal and cultural phenomena, right? Mm-hmm. It's just it is what it is. Like you know, when you have comedians or philosophers, you have satire. That is what it is. Yeah, but I'm. I'm I'm very excited because I know we're gonna get neither comedians nor philosophers working on these movies, and they're gonna be so bad. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Uh, next, also next time for the podcast, I want you to give me a small list of your favorite parody films. Like period. Yeah. Or like, well, this I, movie is a parody of this. Well, well, like, like, are we doing like, um, oh, like Haunted House is a parody of like paranormal annabelle and whatever else was in that or are we doing like this is a <clears throat> satire based on like the british government in the 1980s both both if it could, both if, of them? If it could be if it could be classified as a parody or a satire put it on your list okay we're gonna have some uh you said top five three let's do three top three okay yeah. we're gonna have some good ones then okay for sure yeah because i got a couple off the top of my head uh that i definitely want to add to that list but yeah man um so yeah i mean we'll see what happens um uh, like i said we we'll definitely check it out but uh well, i don't know we'll, we'll see hopefully it's not so shitty yeah absolutely let's climb over this next sand hill as some would call a dune that's three yeah there was an audio problem i was just ignoring you um so yeah dune so okay now Color me stupid, because I am, right? Uh, that's no secret. If anybody has listened to this podcast for an extended period of time knows that I'm kind of silly. Uh, but I'm not super familiar with Dune, right? Uh, obviously, I know it's like a book that people care a lot about, and it's like a large franchise. Uh, it came out a long time ago and even inspired a lot of Star Wars and stuff like that, right? Um, so, obviously, the new Dune movie is out. Uh, <laughs> and fuck, bro, like... I didn't have any kind of expectations because I don't have an attachment to uh, the franchise. So to this particular space opera? Yeah, to this particular space opera. Now, um, me and my wife checked it out kind of with an open mind. Now, the only thing that we knew is that it was kind of long. Uh, so one night we sat down, we watched it. And let me tell you something. This movie was fucking fantastic. All right? Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it was really, really good. Um, the scope of this project... And the fact that they had to do so much work in establishing character, world, um, you know, and you know, just kind of the, the political structure of everything, um, it should be commended uh, because there's a lot of shit in this film, and 
it's it's not all of it is easily digestible, but they made it as digestible as possible, right? Um, and it told a really cool story, man. Um, if you're paying up close enough attention, you won't really get lost. Um, uh, they explained everything the best they can. Um, and this this movie is really kind of uh just like a first half of that original book, uh, just because they needed it, man. They needed all that time. Um, to explain. Now, with that being said, um, I think it might have been something that was better formatted for better formatted as a TV show, like a miniseries, right? Um, but I think the people creating it uh, wanted it to have that large scope and wanted it to be on a big screen. Therefore, they made it a movie. That is like my only complaint about it. Um, obviously, like I said, it's, it's really just the first half of a very long story. Um, and I'm really excited about the next one. Have you seen Dune at all, Gabe? So I'll tell you this. I am a Dune fan. I actually have the Spice Must Flow tattooed on my ass cheek. Um, but I did not go see the movie simply because I've read the first book. I know how crazy, you know, detailed it gets. And my sort of thought is that you can do an adaptation of that book, but you're never, ever, ever going to get even most of that shit in there you know what i mean yeah i i and, i could tell just by kind of how the world that they build around it and the thing with dune that i love is is that it's a very palpable tangible mm. living breathing mm-hmm. beating world at the end of the day like yes you can sit here and preach that star wars has politics but at the end of the day that's kindergarten bullshit yeah, to compared do. to yeah. half the stuff going on in dune you know yeah. what i mean yeah and I, you know, I, I agree with you that it should have been something like an HBO series or yeah. whatever the fuck it may be, right? Yes. But, like, this is a gargantuan endeavor. It's mm. going to have to be the next Game of Thrones to even be, like, remotely pulled off. And there's many a book. There's, like, a dozen books mm-hmm. in the series. You know what I mean? And I would even argue that you would need two seasons of, like, 12 episodes apiece just to cover the first one. You know what I mean? just to set everything up properly and keep people engaged and interested. And I think this property has a lot of marketability. I mm-hmm. think it has a lot of staying power. I mean, for fuck's sake, it's been around since the eighties, if I'm not mistaken, sixties, dude, sixties. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, yeah. And it's still, you know, so 80 years it's been around, right? Yeah. 80 years, if my math is correct. But, and it's just like, well, it, it's, not really 60 years, but I got you 60 years. I'm sorry. <laughs> My math is off today. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where it's a bit of a cultural, you know, meteorite, the absolute fucking seismic impact this thing has. Mm-hmm. And um, people have tried to adapt it before. Yeah. Um, look up, there's a, a YouTube documentary on Jodorowsky's Dune, the man who tried to adapt this one to one from book to big screen. And that his his adaptation never got made. In fact, it was never made to the point where somebody made a movie about that movie getting made, and it never got made. You know what I mean? It's hilarious. And it's it's a gargantuan endeavor, period. Yeah. And, you know, it was a little under three hours, if I'm not mistaken, like 240. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, that's great, but audience fatigue is real. Yep. Our attention spans are shorter than ever. Um, this, you know what I mean? Like, yes. To, to cover good ground... I'm going to say, like, a trilogy 
Minimum. 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 You know what I mean? Minimum. And it's one of those things where it's like the next movie is going to be three hours and then the last one's going to be like 3.15. It's going to be Dune 3 Part 1. <laughs> Dune yeah, 3 I mean, Part you know, 2. <laughs> I'll say this. I'm really, really glad you enjoyed it because it is it is an impactful fucking thing. There's yep. so many cool things going on, especially the goddamn sandworms. Yeah. The Alaskan bullworms. <laughs> I literally screamed that multiple times. Every time it came on screen, I screamed it every single time. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I, I definitely see it. And it's funny because a lot of people may not know it, but your favorite fantasy world probably owes something to Dune. Probably does. Yeah. yeah whether that's Star Wars or whatever the fuck it is at the end of the day. Game of Thrones, I mean? even, you know what I mean? Like shit like that. Like, there's here's some- my recommendation to anybody that enjoyed the movie go ahead and enjoy it there's nothing wrong with enjoying the movie adaptation especially if that's what you were exposed to first mm-hmm. if you want more if you if you're craving get the audiobook just listen to it on your way to and from work you know what i mean that's a solid hour you can get in a day yeah i'm definitely gonna check that out man and I, just I, you know experience it in its full magnificent incandescent force that it is yeah for sure but welcome to the club man i'm, I'm glad you vibed with it because yeah. i was like i saw the trailers i was like it looks good man but i'm not gonna go see it because i know i'm going to be upset this yeah. is a book i read in my youth yeah. you know what i mean mm-hmm. for sure and i don't i don't mean to bust out the old man here but it's <laughs> no, just, no, it no. Is what it is you know some things get lost in translation for sure yeah man so yeah definitely good uh hopefully one day uh you'll be able to check it out uh, i don't like you said I, i'm not sure I don't think you'll be disappointed. I think you'll be happy that they were able to pull off what they could. Uh, but like you said, they're, I'm sure for you as a person who is heavily invested and involved, um, you, there'll probably be something, you know, something left to be desired. But, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit and I'm really looking forward to the next one. So cool beans. Um, so I know you did a review of this movie, but I finally got around to watching it and I actually have quite a bit to say about Cruella. Okay. Uh, the Emma Stone version that came out last year, this year, last year. Last well, year. maybe maybe um, early this year. I don't know. It's been, you know, since March 2020, everything's kind of been a blur. Correct. Um, so, you know, my girlfriend and I sat down, we watched it. Uh, let me say this. I like the sort of weird offshoot that Disney's doing here by taking uh, villains and making them their own story. Now, yeah. I will say this. It doesn't have to be a goddamn origin story every time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously... You're going to want to set up the character, this and that, blah, blah, blah. But trust me, we are like a decade past Marvel Phase 1. And there is a reason why those like origin story movies are not doing well anymore. Correct. Right? Yep. Um, that being said, I do like the, the, the different POV here. Um, I watched Cruella sort of with no expectations other than you said it was pretty tight. Yep. I was like, okay, cool. I like Emma Stone. You know? Yep. Um, I had no idea it was like a fashion movie, yep. right? So yep. they busted it out, and I'm like already like immediately invested because <laughs> I, I love the fits. Like you know, yeah, you say what sick. you want, yeah, they're sick. You say what you want, but those are good fucking fits. Yeah, they're sick. They're sick as fuck. Yep. Um, and I actually really, really enjoyed myself during the course of the movie. I do have one really minor gripe okay. with it, and that's when uh, sort of Cruella's lackeys were like, "Oh, well, you're like turning into someone else," blah blah blah. And, you know, that got brought up, and, you know, my whole thing is that I I like to abide by Chekhov's gun. If you see a gun in Act 1, that gun should fire off in Act 3, right? Um, And, like, it was just never addressed. And she just kind of embraced the the evil, you know what I mean? Uh And she just felt kind of like a thunder cunt for being mean to her lackeys, but, like, 
at the same time, that was it, period. Like, nothing else ever came of that. You know, it was almost like a throwaway line. Yeah, like, um, didn't necessarily, like, she didn't actually become evil. She was just an asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but, like, literally the only impact that line had on the entire film is me going, oh, they recognize it, she recognizes it, maybe she's just going to be outwardly evil to people that get in her way and not just a total bitch to, like, her friends. Yeah. No. You know what I mean? And that was literally the only purpose it served is that people acknowledged it, period. And yeah. that was it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? For sure. But overall, I had a blast with the movie. I, like I said, I really like the premise of, like, the whole, like, fashion fucking beef. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I dug it. And I'll tell you this, man, it's going to be, like, a weird fucking thing. But this movie has me excited for that House of Gucci movie coming out. Dude. <laughs> oh, man. I, so I know the story before going into it. Yeah. Um. Dude, I'm so ready. Ready. So fucking ready for that. But, you know, I, I think it kind of, um, you know, we've had fashion movies in the past, but I think a lot of the time you sort of lose a, a good chunk of the crowd by it being, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the times they're presented as this is a runway. This is a, an hour and a half long runway. And sometimes that's the case, but a lot of the times it's not. There's a good story. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the Versace documentary and stuff. Like, that was a great story. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like people need to understand that, like, the the context of the film does not dictate the quality nor the sort of overlying narrative. Sure. And I, I'm a big fan of Cruella, man. I, I dug it quite a bit. And like I said, like, this thing was, like, my primer. And when I saw the House of Gucci trailer come out, I was like, oh! God, I need to see it. She's yeah. gonna strangle the puppies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm hopeful, and I sort of want them to continue this. Mm -hmm. But I also, you know, the the cash cow, right? It's one of those where it's like, is it a good idea? Are you gonna be good and, and do it justice, or mm -hmm. is this gonna be another? Oh, Cruella Three's coming out. Yeah, yeah. But how bitching was that soundtrack though? Oh, absolutely killer. Right? I told you it was bitching. Yeah, it was very, very good. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, man. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. You finally got around to it. That's good. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, I'm glad that glad that you enjoyed it, man. I'm glad that you, yeah, that you, that you liked it. Because I liked it quite a bit myself. So That was a blast. All right. Moving on. Eternals. The Eternals movie is out. Uh, I'm calling it this phase's Guardian of the Galaxy because nobody really knows anything about the Eternals. And I'll tell you how they did. So, um, so I actually saw it this weekend. Uh, usually I see all the Marvel movies on opening weekend, but I missed it this time around because a lot of stuff, a lot of shit going on. Uh, so I was able to check it out finally. Um, and overall, uh, I'm seeing a lot of negativity on the internet about it. And I was gonna, I was just gonna assume it had a lot to do with the, the quote unquote woke, wokeness. Of the film, because people hate that, especially nerds, right? Uh, and honestly, I'm going to say that I don't really quite understand why everybody is so angry, <laughs> you know? Um, I did enjoy the movie, all right? I liked it a lot. I liked it. Okay, let me cut that short. I liked it quite a bit. No, Phil, you don't have to leave. I'm not going spoilers. Uh, I did like it quite a bit. However, um, th there is something that I will say. Uh, there are... Judging on the trailers, there are certain characters, certain actors that you would believe were put at the forefront of this film based on who they are. All right. Um, they actually don't really particularly focus on those characters. Um, 
in my opinion, I'm just going to say the names. Sama Hayek and Angelina Jolie, to me, are the most interesting characters in this movie, and they aren't in it as much as they should be. I believe the movie focused on the other characters, the other, especially the two that I think in mind, they aren't very interesting, uh, but they tried their best to make them interesting, so I'm giving them credit for that. Uh, but kind of missed the mark on that regard. I, they, I didn't walk away from this film caring more about those characters than the movie wanted me to. You know, um, it definitely does change the scope of everything because every single time a new Marvel movie comes out, it's like it's pulling out the camera, right? It's like you're you're on uh, Google Maps and every single time you're clicking the negative button and the fucking scope keeps on pushing backwards. The next thing you know, all you're doing is seeing the whole planet, right? That's kind of where we're at right now. <laughs> Scaling wise, especially like power wise, it's pretty ridiculous of where we're at. Um, and I'm just kind of curious on where they're going to go with it. Um, I did like it, uh, but not my favorite, not my favorite Marvel mil- uh, movie ever. Uh, but I thought it was cool. I think it adds a lot, a lot of, uh, what's the word? A lot more backstory to this universe. Um, and they had a lot of heavy lifting to do because it did that. So, you know, I'm going to give it a B minus. I thought it was all right. Um, and I had a good time with it. A lot of the action scenes were super, super cool, and I think that's half the battle with these uh, superhero movies is that the action has to, at the very least, be dope. And, uh, yeah, I had a good time. So definitely check it out. If you're a fan of the Marvel stuff, if you want to see where they're going next, uh, I will definitely recommend uh, you stick around for the post-credits because that very that very last one was crazy. <laughs> it seems to be that um, scaling and power creep is sort of a, a rampant issue across the board of any major series at the mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. What, 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 and, what else um, is going through that right at the moment? Well, I mean, you know, I'm not going to sit here and name examples off the top of my head because I can't think of any, of course, right? Yeah. But it's always like, it's always it always goes like this for anything that has like a couple of movies or a couple of seasons for your, you know, a show, whatever the fuck it may be. It's always like, Hey, we start off local. You get to know the characters, you give a shit about them. And then the next one is, Oh my God, the stakes are so high. And then by the time the last one rolls around, it's like world threatening. You know what I mean? Sabrina. Sabrina is the one, the example that you're thinking of. I mean, there, there's definitely a bunch, <laughs> yeah, you know, and Sabrina's yeah. just one of them. Yeah. And, and a lot of the time it's like, by the time you're at the third book, you don't give a shit as much as you did by the time you were in the first first book. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just kind of this weird intimacy issue where it's like, oh, no, the world's going to end, you know? And it's like, dude, we've had 15 years of superhero movies. Like, yeah. we know the world's going to end. Like, how just <laughs> how is it different this time? Exactly. Oh, no. Yeah, for and sure. And it's just one of those things where, especially in Marvel, I feel like, you know, superhero movies should be grandiose. They should be over the top. Sure. But that doesn't mean that you you got to scale it crazy high. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A lot of a lot of good fucking properties keep it small and local. Yep. So that's just my thing. No, I, I agree. Because uh, like I said, scope wise, it's just like the these are gods. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is, it's not even fair for being honest. So uh, yeah. So I liked it. Like I said, B minus, pretty good. Had a good time. Some great action scenes. Definitely check it out. Kobians, have you seen this next one? I actually, I started it, but it kind of lost my attention. I don't know if it was because my son was just born, but uh, I haven't actually gotten all the way through this. So uh, the next thing we're reviewing is the Marvel What If series that Disney dropped earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I sat down kind of expecting not much, and I got, um, if I'm being quite honest with you, I got probably my favorite Marvel property to date um, in regards to, like, big screen, if you can call this that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, now, here's what I'm going to say, because I know, you know, I'm the residential Marvel hater, right? You um, are, yes. Even though I have an entire fucking stack of comics in uh-huh. my room. Anyway, we're not going to get into that. Um, I will say this as a sort of... Um, as a sort of prelude, the reason why these things are so great was because the big screen movies had sort of set up these thing. The big screen movies are the reason we care for these, right? Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't have the what if, if you didn't have the OG, but that being said, dude, there's a lot of fairly, very carefully crafted stories here in place. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you every single one of them intersects at the end. It's, okay. It's not just one offshoots. They are that, but at the end of the day, I, I love it when fucking directors do that, when they mm-hmm. all intersect so good. They all can join at the end. Mm-hmm. And it is absolutely fantastic. Okay. Um, I absolutely adore the fact that they brought in the Marvel zombies because when that shit was coming out, dude, I was all over those comics. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a lot of really cool things, and my my like biggest takeaway from this thing is that T'Challa should have been Star Lord the entire fucking time. <laughs> like Chris Pratt is a total dick. Did you even get to that episode? No, dude. Dude, I, watch it. You're gonna laugh your balls off because somebody <laughs> is not a villain anymore, and they're part of the Ravagers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it is absolutely worth the binge. I, I think we plowed through it in two days. I know. I know. We're slowing down. We're getting old. Yeah. Um. Dude, I just—it's one of those things where it's like, damn, like these are really very, very carefully crafted, and it feels like it was just kind of made for you, even though it wasn't. You know what I mean? Okay. And there's a lot of sort of intrigue and delight. And I'll say this: there wasn't a bad episode. This is going to be one of those things where it's like, "What was your favorite episode?" Oh, cool. Yeah, that one was pretty solid. This was my favorite. Mm-hmm. And there's not going to be like a debate of like, "Oh, that one was dog shit." You know what I mean? They were okay. all really solid. Okay. So, yeah, I, if you haven't finished it, man, go and uh, go and plow that one through because it is absolutely worth the investment. All right, I definitely have to check that out. Definitely something I was planning on doing anyway, so I'm glad that you were reviewed for us on the pod. And, and like I said, like I feel like if I'm coming in saying, hey, this is hot shit and it's by Disney Marvel, it's <laughs> like you, you kind of have to. You know? yeah, I, I, yeah, probably true. Yeah. <laughs> cool beans. Cool. Um, so I saw a movie called Malignant. Have you seen this movie? Nope. So it's directed and uh, I think it's just directed by James Wan. I don't know if it was written by him. So James Wan did a lot of the earlier Saw films mm-hmm. and he did the Conjuring series, if I'm not mistaken. Did he do the new Mortal Kombat too? Uh, did he? It's pretty up James Wan's filmography. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. James Wan. What have you done, James Wan? Let's go on IMDb. <laughs> Conjuring, Furious 7. Maybe, maybe he didn't then. Uh, oh, maybe not. Let's see. Insidious, Aquaman, Who did The Nun, Dead Silence. Oh, uh, maybe he was. Yeah. Oh, no, he did do the new Mortal Kombat. You're right. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, okay. So it's just really far down the list, which is kind of funny. Um, So this is a horror film. And the premise is that this lady um, sees this stalker murderer killing people like she goes to sleep and she sees through his eyes and she thinks they're nightmares at first until 
police start finding bodies. And she gets in touch with the police and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, hey, like, I know where the body is, this and that. That's the premise. Okay. Um, now, I know it sounds like it's set up to be a very, like, typical slasher slash supernatural kind of thing. Uh, I'm just going to flat out say it. This movie has the biggest huevos of any <laughs> fucking horror film to come out in the past five years, period. Really? Yeah, dude. Like, you think you know what's going to happen, and then you find out. And it's just like, what the fuck? And then things start adding up, and then it gets even more grotesque. Um, huh. It is not a perfect movie by any stretch of the means. The mm-hmm. The ending is kind of, it, it's good. But it doesn't wrap up a bunch of stuff, and it kind of leaves it open-ended. I don't know if that was purposeful, whether you know that be for a sequel thing, or whether that just be because James Wan kind of likes to leave shit open-ended, as uh-huh. he does, right? Uh-huh. Um, check it out. Uh, it should be on HBO Max. I know they had like an exclusive like week where it's like, oh, you can watch this on HBO Max, and after that week it goes to theaters. Okay. I think that period's over. Um, and like I said, like it's not a perfect movie by any means. It is a really good solid movie okay and it it just i'm telling you dude like if this movie were to walk into a bar it would order like an old-fashioned neat and like a tray of them at once you know what i mean and pay cash okay and then ride its harley davidson motorcycle (laughs) with the giant ape hangers home okay it's just i'm telling you like it it is not the perfect horror movie it is not the movie that's going to change you know, the path of this genre, but it is fucking massively endowed. And I feel like I need to throw that out there. Okay, cool. Yeah, I definitely uh, put that on my must-see list then. Solid, uh, like, B, maybe even B-plus for me. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Sweet. Nice. All right. So, let's move along. Okay, uh, so we watched a... Uh, we watched the Hulu series, we and did. it was cool because I didn't know you were watching it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Oh, have you seen it?" And I'm like, "Bro, like I was watching it when it was coming out week by week. Like that shit had me hooked." Yeah, dude. So what we're talking about is only murders in the building. Uh, this is a Hulu exclu- exclusive, right? A Hulu exclusive show uh, that features Steve Martin, Martin Short, Martin Short. And Selena Gomez. Now, the first two you probably expect, you're like, oh, of course, they're, they're great. They're one of the great co- comedy duos of all time, in my opinion. And then you say Selena Gomez, and you're like, well, wait, that's a little weird. And from the outside looking in, you'd be right. But um, put it in practice and watch the show kind of unfold in front of you. Holy shit. It is wonderful. It is a great show, dude. It is fucking fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm a, you go ahead and take the helm on this, Gabe. Okay, so, um, so <laughs> it's going to sound weird. Um, the premise is this. The premise is that these three strangers are all listening to the same true crime podcast, mm-hmm. and they meet up in the building's cafeteria after, like, a fire evacuation, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And surprise, surprise, there was a fucking murder in the building. So all of them go, oh, well, what if it was this? What if it was that? And then they realize that they consume so much true crime media that they could even make their own content out of somebody's murder which uh-huh. is fucked up yeah. but they're doing it for a good cause yeah sure um this is written and directed by steve martin and this man is a fucking genius, genius. i love his work genius. i love his work i literally every time there's a steve martin play within like a 10 mile vicinity of me i like go i go buy tickets we're going to see the live show um <laughs> and so it kind of unfolds in 
um, you know, there's really like two sets of AB stories. The AB mm-hmm. story set one is like the actual characters and the way they split off and sort of interact with the world. Mm-hmm. And the other set is the investigation process versus the like content creating process. So a lot of yeah. the times they'll discover new evidence and they'll go interview and talk to people and this and that. And then like, you know, when they actually publish the episode, we have the audience like us, the people who are watching, it has like this weird self insert of like the podcast critics yeah. that are just like, bro, like what about this? What about that? And I just, there's so many good like play and like classic theater nuances in this thing that I would have fucking loved to see this as like, you know, on, on the stage. Yeah, for sure. Um, that being said, it was really well done. It was really fucking funny. Martin Short and Steve Martin are absolutely wonderful tag team duo. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero type shit. Hey man, but, may he rest in peace. Go. Yeah, and may he rest in peace. Yep. Uh, but th- this is one of those things where I went into it, and I'm just like, well, it's Steve Martin. You know, it's got to be at least half good. Correct. And I came out of it <laughs> laughing. That shit was so good. There's a lot of stuff that happens, and I guess let's get into the, the debate, because my girlfriend and I watched it. We both enjoyed it. I loved the ending. She didn't like the ending. Okay. Um, do you think there's going to be a season two? Absolutely, there's going to be a season two. Did you like the ending? I loved the ending. I love the ending. Too. I, I, I was, was fucking flo- awesome. I was floored by it. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I, he, here's my thing, right? I was like, this is the most Steve Martin ending ever, right? And I just, I loved it. That's why I loved it because I was like, only this man can craft such an ending like this, right? Yes. Where everything is resolved, but nothing is resolved. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I'll tell you this, man. It was good. If they make a season two, I'll watch it. But I'm really not going to be upset if this is it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, the, just the, the whole setup, because uh, uh, you mentioned like two parts, but there's kind of three parts to this. Uh, the, there's the two that you mentioned, but there's also, um, this part of it where what the characters present to each other and what is the truth, right? So each character kind of has what they give off, like the front that they give off to each other. And then they have the actual character underneath. Uh, and by the end, like all those walls are kind of knocked down and they become very familiar with each other. But as the story progresses, they're like, well, do I really know who you are? Like, do I really trust you too? Like there's that aspect to it. And, um, it's, it's very rare. It's very good, dude. There near the end, like the last three episodes, I was like, like I didn't want to breathe too heavy because I, I didn't want to disrupt the, what was going on. And, uh, the, the reveal, so to speak, uh, of the crime was, very very well done and um yeah bro i I loved it i thought it was great um and i hope they come back i i I, if they come back with the same quality that they did the first season with man we're talking about an amazing amazing series so uh if you haven't and if you're into murder mystery definitely check out only murders in the building again it is on hulu Every single episode is posted up. Me and my wife went through it in two days, and uh, I loved it, man. It, it was absolutely fantastic. So please, please check it out. So great. So funny. And just great chemistry. Like I said, you, you know Martin Short, and you know Steve Martin. That You know they can go together. They, you know that their comedy works well together. You know that they're good friends in real life. But then you put Selena Gomez into this mix, and you would think, well, you know, I don't know if it's going to work. No, it worked. No, she killed it. Yeah, she she was absolutely fantastic in it. So, uh, yeah, man, excellent, excellent work. I would love to be on, like, the writing team for that that show. How about fucking- it was just so wonderfully crafted. Mm-hmm. It's just like a really tight-weaved thing. And that's not to say that the, tori- the story was tight-knit. It's just like when shit intersects, mm-hmm. it's just so nice to see it on screen. Yeah, 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 for sure. So it's very, very good. Check it out. 
Okay, so the next thing up on here, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, he did a movie called Old. Um, So I watched it, and, you know, it's kind of funny what our expectations have become of this person, because, you know, like, obviously The Sixth Sense, Uh um, The Village, like, by now everybody expects this sort of big, grandiose twist yeah. of his films and that's kind of what he's known for and granted some of them are leagues and light years ahead of others but you know i here's my thing the movie itself was meh the acting was really good i cannot fault the actors just the sort of writing here was not up to par in mm-hmm. my opinion and inherently my experience with M. Night's movies at this point is that you've created such a name for yourself where it's become almost a detriment to your film because you're not letting people experience the film the entire time people are being you know investigators looking for clues and then predicting the twist Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what the four of us did at this little viewing of Uh the film and my girlfriend got it spot on like halfway through the film just you know fucking nail on the head type shit and um I just it's no fault of his own, but at the same time, it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna make a movie like this, like it it needs some oof, it needs some pizzazz. Um, the premise is that people go on this vacation resort and they suddenly start aging at a rapid rate. Oh and yeah, yeah, I've seen the trailer. For that's this. what the movie is about. Um, and you know, I'm gonna say like 85 percent, 90 percent of the film follows these people like going through it and aging, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't sort of spoil anything here but you see like people grow up and you see people die mm-hmm. in the course of a day you know mm-hmm. what i mean and you kind of see like really three generations because there's like the old people there's the parents and there's the kids and you see sort of three generations grow up and what becomes of them and you see sort of manifestations of their health issues mental issues so on and so forth that aspect of it was pretty solid but just there wasn't there wasn't enough substance here. Okay. It was like it was like paying like sixty dollars for like a steak and potato dinner, but your steak is like three ounces and you have two whole ass baked potatoes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like the the ratios should have been a little bit changed here. Mm-hmm. The composition should have been a little bit changed here. It was an okay movie. If you can watch it for free and you got nothing else to do, I mean, fuck it, why not? Right? Okay. But that's just my subjective review of it. It was like a C minus for me. Man, what director has more um, ends of the has a harder swing in quality than M Night Shyamalan? Um, because like you said, this is the dude who did Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Split. It's also the same guy who did the fucking Avatar movie. <laughs> isn't it the same dude who did um The Mist, that Stephen King adaptation? I don't know if he did that. I don't know. Did he hey, did let that? me pull it up because yeah. I'm kind of curious now. Uh, produced by nope not him okay cool there's no other director that has a crazy swing in in quality like that um you know i'm sure we can find some that sort of loosely fit that maybe have a stinker or two but just Mm. you know from prolific sort of 90s Mm. director to kind of a meme in the mid 2000s yeah it's it's kind of this weird tropey thing now. yeah that's weird it's because weird you know I'll, I'll tell you this part of the reason why the malignant twist worked was because they worked it in such a manner that you didn't expect a twist mm-hmm. but this movie you know 
kind of seeing the pattern here that's been repeated for fucking 12 or 16 films or whatever, mm -hmm. you know there's going to be one. And there wasn't any sort of doubt about that mm -hmm. because you need a reason to explain why people are aging. Yeah. So inherently, you have this question. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, well, you know, I wonder, you know, Malignant, you still have the same question, but they set it up in such a way that you don't expect it. Okay. You you don't expect an answer. You didn't even know you had a question, right? So, yeah. So, <laughs> like I said, we're we're live on Twitch, guys. So for my people listening to the podcast, you may be wondering who I'm talking to. My buddy Phil is in the chat. What's up, Phil? Uh, but the man said, and I I don't know if you want to go over there and kick his ass tonight. Uh, but the man said Quentin Tarantino maybe has the largest swing in films of like quality. Yes. That's uh. What time you want to pick? What time you want to pick me up? Uh, right after the show. Got it. Got it. Okay, cool. Uh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, have you seen the last three films he's dropped? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Hateful Eight, and I think Django was the one yeah. before that, if I'm not mistaken. It, it might have been Inglorious. I, I get them confused. I, I mean, them. like, don't get me wrong. I have big gripes with Django, but it's not a bad film, even with my big gripes. Yeah. Phil. What are you talking about, dude? All right. So, okay, cool. So you you like the acting, didn't like the story so much. I'm nice. Shama, lama, lama, la. Didn't, didn't like the director so much either. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, but yeah, big miss from M. Night. Add that to the miss column. Next, we have The Return of Succession. Now, Succession to me is the best show on TV currently. All right. I've talked about it in the past. It is a show about a media mogul who is considering retirement and, um, and basically his kids are trying to see who's next. Right. And it's basically a gigantic power struggle. Now we're about four episodes into this new season. We're on season three. And my God, bro, I literally wrapped up an episode while I was eating dinner before this podcast. And holy balls, this show is fucking incredible. Uh, it is on HBO Max. So if you have HBO Max, check that shit out. Cause obviously it airs on HBO. Uh, that was, that was crazy, man. That, that is just, it's just incredible how, how great. Of a, of a film it is and it's kind of a parody on like big corporate america and kind of the sick dysfunctional family that don't really have like a family kind of connection at all they only see each other as a way to leverage power and position in in, in you know in, in, the, in the state of things it's like knives out yeah kind of yeah yeah basically kind of sort of yeah and uh man such a good fucking show so if you have not please check it out Holy shit, it is so good. Has me on the edge of my seat every single time. And man, it is incredible. So definitely check out Succession on HBO Max. boy. All right, moving along. Uh, this Buzz Lightyear thing, this Lightyear thing. Have you seen the little teaser trailer thing that we got? I have. Um, I'm going to harken back to this. Um, stop hiring big celebrities for voice acting. When did this become a thing and why is it still a thing? I've hired good fucking voice actors. Okay. And I'm not saying Chris Pratt's not a good fucking voice actor, but we're just kind of at this point where, like, people think that if a major name isn't attached to this project, it's, it's going to fail. Flop. Yep. And yep. it's ridiculous, dude. Like, for fuck's sake, like, Chris Pratt is doing so many VA jobs right now that, like, it's yeah. going to be hard to distinguish. Yeah, I agree. The reason why Genie stood out in Aladdin was because Robin Williams was not only a phenomenal actor on screen, he was a phenomenal actor behind the screen as well. Mm -hmm. And all those little inflections and all those little voice Everything. tricks and the energy. Perfect. You compare that to Will Smith's genie, there is a, a, a je ne sais quoi. There is 
you know, ingredient X is missing yep. from between the two performances. Chris Pratt does not fucking have that. Correct. And no, no hate to the dude, but come on. If you want something memorable, you're going to need to find some, some fucking good talent. I just don't understand why the fuck they didn't have Tim Allen do it. Yeah. Well, what's the problem with that? He, I, dude, he, I don't know. He is Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, and, and that was a memorable performance. Absolutely. It was fantastic. Oh, my God. You know I, mean? I, I quote Buzz Lightyear on a daily basis. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, You're at that point in your dad career. Yeah, dude, dude. It's just like he's – it's just so funny. I just don't understand why they didn't just go to mountain with it. But other than that, because I do agree with you 100% on the whole needing to get these megastars as a voiceover – it doesn't. You don't have to do it, anyways. Uh, right, well, hang on. Before we jump off that, just imagine if they brought in some fucking like A list celebrity to voice Kratos for God of War. The only one, and he is not an A list celebrity anymore by any means, but he is in my heart. The only one that gets a pass for that is James Earl Jones. Period. Yeah. You know, just imagine if they brought in Chris Pratt for Kratos. Oh my God! Let me fucking throw something at you. Nobody would have bought the game. Nobody, not a soul. Nobody would have bought the game. Yeah. So. What I'm saying is that hire the right person for the right job. I agree. I'm not going to call my electrician to fix my plumbing. Coincidentally, <laughs> I'm the same. What? what are you laughing at? No, they keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Who said what in the no, chat? No, 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 no. I was laughing at you. I thought it was, that was pretty good. I didn't, I'm not going to call I was going to cap that off with coincidentally, I'm the same motherfucker for both jobs. <laughs> you get my point? <laughs> Anyway, that's my that's my light year rant. Um, I feel it's, it seems fine. Yeah, but this I'm I'm curious to see how this ties into the whole Toy Story epic. Do you remember the Buzz Lightyear cartoon? By the way, I do. I remember it being on. I just don't remember watching it. I, I dude, I have these like weird locked memories, and then when that trailer came on, I remembered like specific, <laughs> vivid cell animation detail. Um, so that was cool, but maybe I'll rewatch that. It's been a while. Phil said the dude who voices Kratos look wild. If he called me boy, I'd feel like one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean he he mean as hell. Yeah, for sure. All right, all right, cool, man. Shit, that took a long time. Let's keep it moving. So uh, we're going into gaming. Uh, both things that I I wrote topics down. So new Call of Duty game. Yay! Yay! Yeah. So Vanguard's out. Uh, I covered the alpha and the beta uh, on this podcast. Wanted to talk briefly about uh, the game as it's out in its current state. Couple of things. Number one, having a good time. Movement feels great. Gunplay feels great. Does not need to have ten attachments for every single gun. I think it's a tad bit ridiculous. I didn't play the campaign because who the who the fuck cares? Uh, I haven't played the zombies because I heard it's a broken mess. Uh, I'm having fun with the multiplayer, uh, and it's taking too long to. Ooh, uh, Load up your weapons. It takes too long. It takes too long to uh, progress through their system. Other than that, maps are really, really good. Gunplay is really, really good. I'm going to have a lot of fun watching the pros play this year. That is my redo of Call of Duty Vanguard. It is a B. Cool. Uh, the only thing that I sort of still am attached to the Call of Duty is the zombies storyline because it is so such a grossly convoluted mess, but I love it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, you know, it, it's kind of <laughs> – they wrote themselves into a corner – and then they took an eraser, erased the corner, and, and wrote five new corners in its place. And then using five-dimensional Terminator time travel, they fixed it. And now the room's a circle, and it has no corners. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just excited. I'm going to watch the updated story video when it comes out. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of my quick review because I'm not going to talk about it too long because 
I mean, you could just copy and paste your review from any of the other five Call of Duties that we came well, out when we started doing this show. Well, did I like all of them? I didn't like all of them. All of them. You didn't even play Infinite Warfare, so no. I played like five games of it, and then I threw up, and I'm like, okay, can't, I can't play it anymore. Hey, man, that first Zombies map. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, so, yeah, whatever. You know, it is what it is. Next up, Halo Infinite. So, kind of a weird thing. Today is the 20-year anniversary of Halo dropping. All right, the very first Halo Combat Evolved dropped 20 years ago today. And with that celebration, Xbox, Microsoft, whoever the fuck you want to give credit for it, dropped Halo Infinite multiplayer today, which is like a day earlier, I think, than it was supposed to drop. I think that's kind of cool, kind of unique. I wonder if that's why they kept on pushing it back. I would like to believe that, but I also want to believe that that's just delayed, <laughs> you know? A little bit of column A. Yeah. A little bit of column B. Yeah. So lined up nicely. Uh, I, I do plan on downloading it probably tonight and maybe playing some tomorrow. I don't know. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. New Halo is out. I'm sure you're probably going to end up playing it a little bit. It's free. So there's really no excuse for you not to play it. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually pulling up Steam right now. <laughs> yeah, see, downloading as we speak. So, um, yeah, I will be playing it a little bit. Uh, we'll see what happens about how like long term I play it because I did enjoy the Master Chief Collection, Halo Four. I don't, I'm not touching the rest of them, but Halo Four. Oh my God, Jesus, Halo Four. I did like quite a bit, so uh, we'll see what Infinite looks like moving forward. But that's gaming in a nutshell, quick and cool. easy. Quick and easy. Okay, let's get into music news and reviews. Cause Speaking got of quick and easy. Bangers. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. We're, we're speaking about quick and easy. No, this is this is, that was my segue for you. Go ahead. That was, well, how does that segue have to do any? A segue is supposed to bridge two topics. It does. It did. Who's quick and easy in music news and reviews? The music itself is quick and easy. You think that these bands didn't put love and time <laughs> into making these? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, do you think we're reviewing Bad Omens today? Oh, shots fired. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's your opinion, not mine. Yeah. I didn't even touch it. <laughs> I mean, okay. it's, it's the right opinion, but keep going. <laughs> I'm going to say it again because I like saying it. Uh, it's time for music news and reviews. Yeah. So two behemoths of an album. Um, I know they're listed in a certain order on here, but do you? which one do you want to do first, bud? It makes no difference to me, Gabe. Okay, do you want to take the reins on the first one to start off, and I'll take the reins on the second one to start off with? We're talking about Every Time I Die? Yo! Yeah, Every Time I Die is out. Radical. Radical is out. It is 16 tracks. It is ridiculously fast and brutal. And in my opinion, some of the best writing that Every Time I Die has done. Our boys from Buffalo are back. And yes, they do indeed have moist hands. Um, so that's kind of the deal, man. I mean, honestly... Wait, you're, you're right? <laughs> you're, yeah, yeah, the yeah. moist hands shit caught me off guard. Moistest hands in Buffalo. Anyways, uh, yeah, man. Every time I die, he's back, man. And they raise the bar every time. Every time. Like, I don't think they've had an album that was worse than the one before. Or, you know, it just gets better. And um, they continue to get better. Uh, I'm impressed by the scoop of everything because it's quite the large album. And didn't feel like it, though. Because, you know, you and I have reviewed albums that are long, and it felt like it. This didn't feel like it, you know. It's kind of this constant panic attack that you're going through. And just when you get a little bit of levity between the songs, the next panic attack starts. So it's about 16 minutes of me rolling on the floor, uh, fucking foaming at the mouth and crying. That's every time I die. 
in a nutshell. Yes, so um, Radical was an album we've been waiting for for a very, very long time. It is 51 minutes and 17 seconds. So long, or should I say 51, 17 short. You're absolutely right. This album does not feel like it's an hour long. Mm -hmm. In fact, it almost makes you go, wait, that's it? And not in like a bad way either. It's just in like a holy shit, like I've made it through, and then now you're in bumfuck Indiana because you're just like, I need to drive and listen to this. Nobody can interrupt me. Yeah. Um, so Will Putney, right? Will Putney said, you guys never open up with a heavy track, and they said, fuck you, Will. We're right in dark distance, and we're fucking getting this bit going. Um, what's there to say about Every Time I Die that I feel like I haven't said already? They are a phenomenal band. They always put their fucking best foot forward when they write, and you're absolutely correct on like probably the best some of the best lyricism on this album. And on the surface level, it may not seem like that because there's a lot more repetition and sort of calling back to the chorus, especially with shit like post-boredom. Mm-hmm. But I dare you, nay, I challenge you to really sit down, listen to the track, and have the lyrics pulled up and really sort of dissect it in your free time. Um, because there is, like, no stone left unturned. And the fact that this entire thing was written pre-pandemic... Mm-hmm. Like, that is insanity. Like, pre-George Floyd, pre-all this, like, bullshit that happened in the fucking past two years. And it feels like this was written in a response to the political climate, to the environmental climate, to everything that's been going on in the past two years. Mm -hmm. And that fact alone, this album transcends the time it was released. You know what I mean? Like, think about that, right? It is still relevant today, even though it was done when I fucking went to fly out on a train or on a plane to see them play on a goddamn boat. Think yeah. about that. Yeah. You know? Um, this thing's a banger. Uh, the f- I want to commend that, dude. The bass is up front for a lot of these fucking tracks. It is really good. It's punchy, and it is fat, dude. I love that because, you know, in my opinion, some of the other ETID records, the bass gets lost. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, you got the Buckley on guitar. You got Andy on guitar. And Keith kind of like, you know, the mastermind. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that. But like <laughs> kind of the, the frontman doing the frontman's job here. Correct. Right? And say what you want about Goose as the new drummer. Say what you whatever the fuck you want about any previous drummer in this band. Um, dude, it has always been a good staple to just have really simple drums with a good catchy like rhythm but now it's over the top it's fucking awesome it is Mm -hmm. everything in this thing is like it's the perfect grilled cheese like you bought really good artesian bread you bought the most expensive fucking cheese you bought all the additives you want to add to this goddamn grilled cheese but it's still being served at your local favorite dive bar because the vibes are good and god damn it they did it again yes they did Every time I raise the bar, man. Um, what is your favorite track off this thing? Oh, hold on. Let me pull it up because honestly, like, there's so many tracks on here that I, <laughs> I find it hard to remember the names for them. Hold on. Let me pull it up real quick. I'm sorry. Oh, every time I die, you're an E. The my- oh, also, really quick, um, shout out to your wife for finally converting, and I'm surprised this is the album that did it. Hey, man. This shit bangs. What can you say? Uh, a- oh, was it AWOL? No, not AWOL. Man. Sly was really good. Uh, The Whip. The Whip. The Whip. The Whip whip was a fucking banger. And of course. You know what my favorite track off this thing is? I'm going to say just by looking at the. What? (laughs) What? What is it? You have no guess? No guess. All this in a war. Because holy shit. You know what, dude? I'll say this. 68, fine. Fever, 
fine. The chariot, though, right? Yeah. Like, this one feature satisfied my chariot craving, at least momentarily. It'll come back. I know it always does, like herpes. But it, this is just such a good fucking feature. I don't give a shit what Courtney LaPlante is doing. I don't whoa, give a shit what whoa, Oliver Sykes whoa, is doing whoa. in regards to features. <laughs> in regards to features, because this is the feature to end it all. You hear this, that? You hear that this game? might just open. You what? Did you hear that? Yeah. That's Norma Jean. They would like to have a word with you. Because you totally <laughs> fucking forgot about Norma Jean and all that. <laughs> keep keep going. God damn it. But that being said, like, simply because uh, we might have to slap a new thing for our end of the year wrap up, the feature of the year. And this song, simply because it's creating this category, this is it for me. Anything with Courtney, Courtney LaPlante. That's, that's the feature of the year. For you, sure. It's okay to be wrong. But that being said, um, phenomenal album. My wax version of it just came in. It's really good. It's awesome. Wax. Uh, I, I love it, man. There's you, you can't go wrong. Sure. You can't go wrong. Sure. I agree. And nice. uh, solid like A A tier for me, man. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Uh, it's an A for sure. For sure. Okay, so it's my turn to start off with this next one, is it? Yes. Uh Okay, that was my review. But, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so a uh, tiny little indie band out of California called Silent Planet, uh, you know, with just a little over 3.6 million listens on Panic Room on Spotify, dropped the new album mm-hmm. called Iridescent. Uh, before we dive into it, I love the cover art. There's yeah, it's really, it's really it. sick. It's weird. Yep. It's enticing. It draws you in. They have great, um, great cover art. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the, some of the better. I don't know if I'd say best, but definitely, like, a contender. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, this album, um, and if I'm being absolutely honest with you, I totally forgot it came out on Friday until you texted me saying, hey, whoa, like, this album's out. And I was like, oh, shit, right. Mm-hmm. First three songs, Smitten. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm just, like, already, like, holy shit. Like, Silent Planet is this weird weird amalgamation of shakespeare and fucking like metalcore that just works mm-hmm. and there's something so welcoming about their sound because even though garrett writes these really complex and meaningful shakespearean fucking lyrics mm-hmm. it's still super relatable and it still fucking pulls you into it and takes your breath away i love this album mm-hmm. um this is an absolute banger front to back and dare i say it might be no skips in my car there's just there's no song on this thing that is like oh we well we can skip this if you want or mm-hmm. like oh, okay i'm not really vibing with this everything has something to contribute and the album as a whole is a is greater than the sum of its parts and mm-hmm. it's just wonderful and I, i'm gonna call it right now before you dive in and do your review i think our favorites are gonna line up with our favorites from the last one where it's the weird fucking offshoot that they're never gonna play live okay and um, I, I will say, um, I, you know, I know you had some concerns about some of the singles they released leading up to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, I think it was Trilogy or Panopticon, one of those two that you had issues. I think it was Trilogy. Um, I, I love where they fit mm-hmm. in this, like, track list. It's so snug. Like, it was, it's a puzzle piece. It was meant to be there within the scope of this roller coaster of a fucking album. This is This is a cocktail that you can both use as a Molotov but sip on very very slowly at your favorite bar and i love it okay cool all right so um yeah so like i said i, I think i in a weird turn of events i got to a silent planet album for you did um 
so I basically going to mirror a lot of the things that you said. Uh, what I think is kind of interesting, though, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like uh, something that is deeply associated with the Silent Planet sound is kind of that poetic core kind of a thing, right? Yeah. I feel like on this particular album, they kind of dialed it back a bit. Uh, on yeah, the, I'd agree with you. Uh, on, the, on the poetry aspect of it, where it's kind of like drums and Garrett just shining his soul, his soul out, right? It's more of a, I don't want to say tra- traditional metalcore album, but in, in a way it is. You know, um, they, they went kind they of... They traded a lot of the slam poetry for bigger choruses. Yeah, exactly. And with that being said, I want to talk about the choruses real quick. Because one of my biggest complaints about Silent Planet overall is that their clean vocalist isn't great. I've always said that. I, I love the band. I discovered them, uh, you know, out of the two of us. Uh, and I love them a lot. I think they're fantastic. But when it comes to clean vocals, I was never quite happy with the performance given. This is the first album that I would say that I think he found his pocket, right? I think he found his delivery and kind of his range where he can sit in, where he could comfortably deliver vocals without it sounding a little too whiny, like he's trying too hard. Um and I really, really liked this album. I, I thought they did a great job. Uh, it was one of the faster listens that I did. Cause like I said, I listened to it while I was at work. When I, I even texted you, I think I'm like, man, this album came out fucking swinging. Cause it did. Right. And, um, I got through it. I'm like, man, that was a, that was a fucking, that was a good album. And I listened to it again. I'm like, man, I still like it. And every time I've listened to it, I can still continue to like it, which is a good sign. Uh, I think it's um, something that should be said kind of about the scene as a whole is that you and I have reviewed many, many albums in our time on this podcast, right? Mountains and mountains of them. And there are very few of those that um, may give a second, yes, a third, correct. a fourth, and a fifth. Correct. Correct. Because it's just so hard. You know, with all the albums and the velocity that they come at you, it's kind of hard to be able to listen to an album multiple times. Um, this album so far, it very much like the last Silent Planet album, which I believe was our unanimous album of the year, right? Mm-hmm. I th- yep. Yeah. 2019. Yep. They kind of, they kind of just ran away with it. Um, I, I could see this near the top of my list this year. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think it's going to make my top three cut. Uh-huh. Um, like no bullshit uh, right up front. Mm-hmm. For sure. So definitely excellent. They did a great job. Production is phenomenal. Uh, vocal performance is really, 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 really good. Uh, nothing to be ashamed of. I believe of. Will Putney did this one as well. Of course he fucking did. <laughs> so wait, what is that? That's like, th- when did Four Year Strong come out? Did that come out this year too? Um, oh, the, uh, the Dadcore album? Yeah. When did that come out? Uh, it, shit, let me pull it up actually, cause I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because that that album does kind of feel like forever ago. Huh? It does. It does. Yeah. So that four, was last year. Brain Pain was twenty twenty. Okay. So, because I was gonna say that that's like potentially like three albums from the same producer on my, you know what I mean? Like Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, man. Uh, overall, very, very, very good, man. So uh, an effort to be proud of, and I'm sure they're gonna have a great time playing a lot of these songs live because, uh, you know, they're just intense and brutal, and uh, like you said, laying some some heavy work with the vocals and the lyricism. Good stuff. Absolutely fantastic. I believe it is also an A. So that's two albums on this podcast this week that I got A's. A couple of uh, quick additions to the Silent Planet review. Um, Mitch is the clean vocalist and also the bassist. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely wonderful live. I had the pleasure of working with him, and that set is on my YouTube channel. But this dude really sort of grew into his voice, for lack of a better term, 
And I agree with you that, you know, a lot of the times it was like, okay, you know, this is fine. But, like, this album, like, you want to hear it. You want to hear him come out swinging. And he just such does such a nice fucking job of, like, balancing out Garrett. And it's kind of funny when you look at the two because neither of them look like they'd be in a metalcore band. Yeah. Um, you know, no hate to either of them. I love, I love them both dearly. But it's just such a good album. And, you know, consume this media in whatever fashion suits you best. But if you really want to do this album justice, because this this is, like, a good – this is a good work of art because I've listened to it and again and again and again. And every time I go in, I find something new. Mm-hmm. So honestly, like get your best pair of headphones out and just vibe, like yep. go listen to it. Cause there's a lot going on in the background. Like, dude, mm-hmm. I was listening to uh, terminal at one point and I'm just like, bro, like, is that a noise my car is making? And I had to turn it down. I was like, no dude, this is like faint, ringing in the background that's produced in and it's like if you weren't paying attention to it you wouldn't notice it Mm -hmm. and just these glimmers of sound and just it's very like touch and go touch and go and i just love it it's so good putney did such a good job Simon plan did such a good job Mm -hmm. what are your favorites off this album uh hold on actually i just pulled it up i was looking at what the fuck i just had it in front of me my bad again i'm horrible at podcasting are you good um, I mean, you've only been doing it for six years. Yeah, so right. You think nobody eventually. expects you to be good yet. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, my favorite song on the album was Alive as a House Fire. It is an absolute banger. And The Sound of Sleep was also very good. Those two back-to-back were really solid. Really, really good. Yeah. They uh, they played The Sound of Sleep live when I, when I shot them. Uh, I'm a big fan of Second Son. Okay. Uh, there's something about it. And that, until we have faces, those two are just, like, doing it for me. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, yeah, awesome. A-tier album. Um, I also do have a quick announcement before we go into the bangers of the week. Um, it's been two years since it came out, if not a little bit longer than that. But I am inducting a new album to my 10 out of 10 list. Okay. Simply because it's been two years and I still can't get enough of this thing. And I know you're going to give me flack for it, but um, <laughs> can, you, can you guess what it is? Two, for, is that, you said two years ago you it came out? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the album was 2019, yep. 2019. It was also my album of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Silent Planet was our album of the year. Well, that was 2018. You sure? Yeah, yeah, I just looked it up. So I know I said 2019 for Silent Planet, but it was oh. 2018. 2019. I don't know. What is it? It is uh, Piss Poor by Fever oh. War. I was actually listening to that again. It came up on my shuffle the other day. Uh, I just, you know, this is a band that got snubbed before they really took off Mm -hmm. and i love this album they released a follow-up single which is the the last piece of work that nick did Mm -hmm. um with the band called kick rocks and i'm telling you you put these guys you put like my ticket home on a on a bill and it's gonna fucking murder it's gonna destroy venues but (laughs) um it's a great album it it, it makes my indoctrinated 10 out of 10 you're gonna have to give me a full list of that i'm genuinely curious on what like yeah, at absolutely. least since we've been doing the podcast, which ones are your perfect ten out of tens? I'm curious. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I think the sort of no brainers are um, "Crisis" uh-huh. by Alex is on Fire, uh-huh. uh, "Let Go" by Hundredth. Okay. Um, there's a hell. Bring me the horizon. Mm-hmm. Piss poor. Mm-hmm. And I believe there's one more because there's four. Dispose. I... Yeah, yeah, dispose. Yeah. So that's five. Those are my five. Okay, cool. Interesting. Do you have any? Uh, perfect albums. Um, Alien by Northlane. 
Lost Together, Lost Forever by The Architects. Uh, Fake History by Let Live. Uh, there is a Hell by, by Bringing the Horizon. And Define the Great Line Under Earth. Yeah, solid, solid choices. Also, uh, since you mentioned it, honorable mention to, to Sanction, because I'm sure they're going to inch their way in there. Oh, yeah. The more shit you listen to, the more you realize that I need to go see Sanction live. For sure, yeah. In some random arcade in the middle of North Dakota. In fucking Milwaukee, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, actually, before we move on to Certified Bangers, we do have a little bit of a thing that came in, came up. Uh, I am so happy for them, but I am also very upset with Metalcore Twitter for not making a giant deal about this. So Texas in July is back. Yes. Like, let, let me say that again slower. <laughs> Texas in July is back. Yeah. And they are playing at the August Burns Red Christmas show. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit, that is a huge deal. It's been six years. Yeah, dude. Uh, didn't see that coming. Didn't hear anything about it. But uh, yeah, man, Texas in July, who are my my opinion, when they were when they were moving, they were one of the best metalcore acts around, and uh, yeah. they kind of disappeared. I mean, they they announced that they were leave that they were gonna, you know, call it quits. But I feel like kind of similarly to what you're saying about metalcore Twitter not making a big deal about it, they didn't really make a big deal about it when they left either. So um, I don't know what I'm missing. Or if you and I are just wrong, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, man. we're definitely not wrong. Yeah. This is a big fucking deal. I would, I would put this like a step below when Under Oath announced that they were coming back. Yeah, okay, I could, I would put it there. You know what I mean, like, yeah. like you know, Under Oath was huge, 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 huge. We could spend an entire episode on that, but like yeah, we, a step below that, we did. Yeah. <laughs> we did spend an entire episode on that. Uh, but um, yeah, that, it's kind of a weird thing. Uh, I'm glad that they're fucking back. I don't know the scope of their return i don't know if they're just playing a one-off don't know if they plan on coming back and doing some more extensive touring but hopefully uh they do have at least somewhat of a little run that we can go and hopefully hit a stop when they when they come here you know can we get like a like a fucking hey we're back in business tour with like the blood texas in july and they're not back but it'd be killer if they were this or the apocalypse and then just bundle those aren't they playing a show this or the apocalypse? Yeah, aren't they playing something too? Are they? I'm pretty sure they're. I, I'm pretty sure they're playing shows too. I'm pretty sure. If, <laughs> they I, haven't released new music in like a decade. This well, what's his name is in fucking Ice Nine Kills. They're still present. I could have swore to God I saw them on a lineup somewhere. Cause, yeah, it says they're still together. Uh, Associated Acts, Ice Nine Kills. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. I don't know. I, I swear to God, I saw that they were on a lineup or a bill somewhere. I don't remember, but yeah, I heard yeah that that would be kind of cool. Nice little neat little lineup um, there. Yeah, I mean their last release was Dead Years, twenty twelve. So yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> been a long time for uh, this of the apocalypse, but yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, Texas in July, man. Uh, hopefully we get to see, get a chance to see them coming up soon enough. So yep. Oh, hang on. Whoa. All right. So there is something going on here because they are back, um, rebranded as a band called Hawk. Just Hawk, not a band called Hawk. I know the Prince thing gets in the way a lot. Um, <laughs> and they dropped a single two years ago called Mileage with Spencer Charnvis. Okay. I mean, I like this or the Apocalypse. I don't know why they changed branding, but do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I gotta swear I saw them like on a fucking like bill. Like on a bill, but it was like a festival bill. I don't have to look it up. I'll let you know after the fact. Uh, but yeah, yeah, man. So all good stuff. All good vibes. I'm glad they're back. Cool. Certified bangers of the week. 
We got four. Have you heard any of these? No. <laughs> Naturally. Stop. Actually, no. I have heard uh, Under Oath and We Came as Romans, actually, now, now that I'm looking at it. Okay, cool. So first up on this list, North Lane, Echo Chamber. They have a new album that's going to be dropping relatively soon called Obsidian. First off, badass name. Badass name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second of all, uh, it's kind of um, one of their more experimental tracks. So they had a couple of those on Alien, which made Alien so fucking cool because it had this crazy level of diversity in it. It's something similar to like 4D where it's much softer and not as heavy. It does have its heavy moments. Uh, but, um, you know, it is a very cool track. A great music video. Uh, the music video consists of... Basically, like a message before saying, "Hey, with the pandemic, we didn't get a chance to get together to film this video, but with like modern technology and robots, we were able to make it." It had like the little disclaimer up front, and then it's just fucking mannequins. <laughs> it's just dudes with fucking uh, black suits and mannequins just fucking dancing them around and stuff. It's fantastic. Definitely, absolutely, check out the music video. It was wonderful. Um, but yeah, very very cool song. I'm very interested in what they're going to be doing moving forward because both songs off the new album, Clockworks, which dropped a long time ago. Is also on this. I'm very excited for it because North Lane, again, just absolutely fantastic. That was my album of the year, whatever year that came out. So, um, yeah, that might have been 2019 for me. That might have been my 2019 album of the year. Um, but yeah, very, very cool. Wonderful. Under Oath, Cycle. What do you think? Um, I too like the Cycle. It's actually a, quite a banger of a track. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't want to say they're returning to their roots because they're not, but it definitely has like. It's almost like if Underoath influenced Underoath. <laughs> as stupid as that sounds, you know what I mean? Um, I, I don't know. I like it, you know, and I didn't like Erase Me as an album, but um, I'm, I'm curious to see where they're going with the song because I know they have the um, What's-His-Face feature on the last track, Ghostmane. Ghostmane. Uh, which I, I thought it was good. I, you know, I didn't hate it. Um, and, you know, he has his own hardcore band on the side, so it's not like the world's weirdest fucking feature or anything uh-huh. like that. Um, I, I'm kind of liking the direction it's going. Um, okay. If I'm being quite honest with you, and I think Cycle is a very good addition to any workout playlist, and and it's something that's kind of uh, been cycled through on my Spotify repeat. Three, um, I'm excited. Cool. Next up, Code Orange dropped a new single called "Out for Blood." I'm assuming it's a single. I don't know. And you ever heard this? You said no. All right. So, kind of weird. Uh, it is very industrial in nature, kind of similar to the last album, but. Also similar to the last album with more heavy me- new metal influences. All right. Now, before everybody changes the channel and that gives us, gives this track a shot, I would recommend it. It's very, very cool. It's different. It's very different for Code Orange. They haven't done anything like this before. Um, they even have, uh, Jamie, the, the screaming vocalist do some clean vocals. Kind of interesting. Uh, but yeah, kind of a, 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 a very up, fast beat kind of song. I was explaining to my wife based on the music video, it looks like something that they're pitching for the Blade movie. Because uh, you'll see. If you watch the video, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah, a good track. I like it. I'm looking forward to what they got coming out next. Uh, I, feel, I literally just feel like underneath just dropped. So I, I don't know where the time is going or and or if the pandemic just threw everybody off, off their shit. Because think about it like... This uh this tour that they just got wrapped up with Slipknot was like their first tour in support of under uh, underneath. Think about that. Damn. Yeah, underneath came out a fucking year ago, a year and a half ago, whatever the fuck it was. So like at the start of the pandemic. So um yeah, man, it's it's very very good. Definitely check it out. Looking forward to seeing what they got coming next. Last but not least. 
Oh, that we came as Rogan. <laughs> yeah, daggers featuring uh, some kind of rapper of some kind. Do you know, are you familiar with this with this artist? Um, zero nine three six or something like that. Zero. No, I don't think I am. That's a Greg thing. Yeah. Well, you know. So yeah. Um, what do you think? We came as Romans is an interesting band. Um, that you know, and this is sort of the captain obvious here. They peaked in like the fucking like you know fucking mallcore scene shit, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to see them innovate, renovate, remodel, continuously push the envelope for themselves. Um, I feel like We Came as Romans is very... Let's not compare us to the rest of the metalcore scene. Let's compare us to our previous work. Mm-hmm. And it shows. Um, they're, they're very much a... Let's build on top of what we've done before. And I really do appreciate that. This track is good. Mm-hmm. It's good. Um, it's not great. It's not excellent. It's good. Mm-hmm. But... For a band that, you know, I didn't give a shit about for a decade after, um, you know, the Plan C came yeah. out, that's that's really good. And I'm, I'm glad to see that, and, you know, I'm not going to call them old farts. I'm glad to see that they're still improving because mm-hmm. a lot of these bands ride their legacy. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring them up, and I know you hate them. Um, Attack Attack does a very good job of still pissing us off 10 years later. <laughs> um, once everybody kind of <laughs> Once everybody came to terms with Someday Came Suddenly, right? Um, and there's a difference here between making something because you want to improve upon your own skill set, and there's a difference between making something that tries to capitalize on nostalgia while still almost like catering to the audience. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm very proud of them yeah. for for kind of wiggling their way back onto my shuffle. Yeah, and they're doing great. I, I, I mean, I know it's been hard without um, Kyle. Kyle, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that these guys are still going at it, and the fact that they're still improving, and just—I don't know, man. It's—it's it's a very underdog story, and For that sure. sounds ridiculous. For we came as Romans, but. Look at the modern fucking musicscape, dude. They mm-hmm. are the underdog, and I'm going to root for them. And you know what? I have like a renewed appreciation for this band. For sure. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with the majority of things that you said. I just kind of like the brutality of this particular um, this particular track. Uh, because Kyle's gone, you know, he passed away, obviously. Uh, because of that, they feel like they don't have, they don't feel the need to insert like random soft spots in the songs just to kind of accommodate him. Uh, that they're kind of just going 150 miles per hour and going as hard and as fast as they can go. And I think it's turning out well. It kind of reminded me of Crucible. I don't know if you remember that Crucible EP that dropped that features members from We Came As Romans. It was just kind of this very heavy, violent kind of style of music. Uh, and it was very good. This kind of reminds me of that. The feature was cool. I didn't, like I said, the rap thing, it was all right. It worked for me. Uh, and whoever did it, you know, I think kind of fit the flow of it very well. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm glad that they're, that they're back to some capacity. They're, I would say the majority of the singles that they've released, uh, without announcing an album, mind you, they have like four singles out and there's no album, quote unquote, yet. Um, have been pretty good. Pretty good to very good. Um, yeah, I agree with that. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that they're, that they're still trekking along and, uh, continuing to climb that mountain and, uh, you know, forge ahead, uh, from a very difficult, position you know this we came as roman's storyline um it it very much feels like your favorite fighter retired after like 
you know, two seasons after winning some giant championship and then just like downhill from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like now your favorite fighters come back kind of back in like middle tier, you know, yeah. still carrying the name, but like people don't, don't want to put money yeah. on you and bet on you when they very well fucking should be. Correct. I agree. So check them out if you haven't, man, especially if you're like me where the last big WCAR thing you listen to is, you know, to plant a seed. By yep. all means, it's it's gotten much better, and I'm excited. Yep, yep, yep. So I believe from top to bottom, that was episode 175. 175. Of the Second City Kids podcast. Thank you guys for checking us out. We will see you guys next time for 176. 176. And it doesn't, yeah. doesn't flow as nice. Yeah, man, I'm sorry. Uh, but, um, yeah, we'll be back. Check, you know, check me out on Twitch, Brilliant Villain. Check out Gabe's uh, channel. What was it, what's it called again? Uh, photos by Jabril. Photos um, by I'm Jabril. also doing the, uh, Heart Attack, Neck Deep, Boston Manor show this upcoming Tuesday. Very, very cool. Tomorrow. If you're going to be there, say what's up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, check out all those things. We have me and Gabe. We're spread out amongst all of kind of, all kinds of media. So definitely check those things out. And, uh, thank you guys for joining us. And until next time. Deuces.